Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. So, I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. This is hard for the house season, so we've been in Haggai for a little bit. This is now the third message preached from Haggai himself to God's people after they returned from exile from Babylon. And it reads something like this. Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord, whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. My goodness. Now give careful thought from this day on Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck, verse 17, you should underline this. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Underline this last part, because this this is the blessing right here. From this day on, I will bless you. That's a good place to say amen. Say, from this day on, I will bless you. Amen? If you're taking notes today, I've entitled this message, The Blessing of Obedience. The Blessing of Obedience. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day once again. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place and each and every one watching online. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, we thank you for all of the people that came back to you or they met you for the first time in the 930. But God, I'm praying for even more in the 1130. I'm praying, God, that somebody is going to connect with Jesus in a way they never, ever have before. God, I thank you for all the people that have come in advance knowing that they're going to get baptized today. God, I pray that by the time it's all said and done, more will be willing to make a public confession to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, you be in this word because when it goes forth, it never returns void. We trust you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Come on, give God a shout of praise. So I like a rowdy church. Y'all kind of quiet today. So let me see if somebody gonna get turned up. On the count of three, if you, if you, when you hear something you like, you say amen, say holla at your boy, say that's good, say preach preacher, say hallelujah, say preacher baldy. I don't care what you say, I just need you to say something to know so I know that you with me, amen? On the count of three, yell something back at me. One, two, three. Oh, y'all saved. See, the last crowd, they gave me a bunch of preacher baldies. I like y'all. All right, so here we go. Y'all, we in Hartford the house season. How many of y'all was here last week? 
How many of y'all was here the week before? You've been hearing us talk about hard for the house season. So I'm going to put out a little disclaimer. How many of you will raise your hand and say, this is my first time at Cool Church? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. It's a lot of first time. For, hey, how you doing? Praise God for you. Awesome. First, second, third. If you don't know if this is your house yet, your house of work, you just visiting, we love you. Thank you so, so much for being here. You could have been anywhere in the world. You are here. And for that, we are thankful. I want to say this. I'm going to preach a message about generosity today, but I, 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 don't, I don't want you to feel like, oh, here I go. I came to the church for the first time. I'm going to pass go. He's talking about money again. Listen, I want to give you this disclaimer because Heart for the House is something that we do each and every year. Once a year, over and above our tithe and offering, we give generously, sacrificially to see God's house built. If this is your first time, second time, third time, this is not the place you call home, you're just visiting, listen, the message will ultimately be about Jesus. And the church say? Amen. People going to get saved. And the church said? Amen. But this is a very specific message that is also targeting the folks that call this place home that have been helping us build for the last almost five years now. This is targeted towards them. You will be blessed and can be blessed by what we are talking about too, but I want you to understand you have no obligation to do anything pledge-wise or monetarily or anything in this house, okay? So I, I just want to say that so you understand that going in. If you call this church home, though, we've been doing this thing called Heart for the House, and like I said, once a year, we give over and above our time to see the work of the Lord done, to see the, God's house built. Last year, we pledged $210,000 to seeing God's work done in this community. Last year, you gave $207,000 over and above your tithe and offering to see God's work done. You should clap for that because you did that. I love that. The tithe is about obedience. This over and above sacrificial offering is about building God's house. This year, we are trying to pledge $300,000 over and above our tithe and offering to see God's work done, not only in this community, but in the world. We're trying to take this thing from a cool church to a cool world, and the Lord's people said? So, last week was Pledge Sunday. And I don't have a pledge card up here with me. I wish I did, but that's why I love my brother Benjamin because he is always ready. Last year, you might have last last week you might have filled out a pledge card like this, um, or you might have used the QR code. They'll probably put that on the screen as well if you're online. You might have used a giving link. But on November 12th, we are bringing our very best over and above, and people pledge. Now listen, when you make a pledge, nobody's coming after you. Nobody's like, hey, dog, what's up with that pledge? So you go, no, like, nobody's doing that, right? If you pledge something from your heart, you give it from your heart. If you do it, you do. If you don't, you don't. I just like cool church because when we say we're going to do something, we do it. And the people said? So we're giving over and above this year towards three fields, and Ben talked about it earlier. Um, we're going to give to multi-site. As you know, we are merging with the Fountain Church starting January 7th, the first Sunday of 2024. We are going from one, um, two services to three services, but it's not just three services. It's, it's three services split between different locations. We're going to have our online campus that serves 47 different nations, and the people said? We're also going to have our Miramar High campus that serves Miramar, the people said. But now we finally got a building of our own that has been donated to us by the Fountain Church, a 30,000 square foot building sitting on three acres in the name of Jesus. And that will be our Miami Gardens campus. And the people said. So we're giving to multi-site. Why? Because it doesn't matter where you show up for church on Sunday, it should feel like cool church. Amen. How I many of you know when you own something, if you own a house like I do, you got to maintain it, right? You, so you got you to you fix it up. You got to make it look the way that you want. So no matter where you go, it's always going to feel like cool church. So that's one. The second part is, is missions. Not only are we going to uh, double down on some of our missions that we already have going on in this city. I told you last week that we are going to build the very first cool church in Kenya for the Maasai people through this offering that will be completed. Y'all not even ready for this. You're going to get the money on November 12th. By the middle of December, it's already going to be done. People that are worshiping Jesus under a tree literally will actually have a physical building to worship God in because of you. Amen? 
That will happen. We will see the dedication videos, all that stuff. It's going to be amazing. We've been working with an organization called The Plant Ministries. I've known Pastor Wayne Deary for over 25 years. They build a church every 10 days, and so far in Africa, they have built 150 churches. We'll be a part of that legacy. Amen? And then the last part I said was ministry. We're going to bolster our ministries. As the church grows, we need more team to make it happen. We'll be hiring uh, different staffing to help bolster our ministries. We'll be doing more programming, more things for the community. We're going to invest more in God's house so that people can get more out of God's house. Not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And the church said... So that's what you are giving towards. You can go on the site and you can see all the initiatives. But last week, when I preached just to get you up to speed, I said we're going to give this offering over and above God's house. And we're going to do this for the glory of God. We're going to build the house for the glory of God. Why? Because Haggai 2.9 says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Y'all, this present house, this house that we are building right now, the reason we're investing in it, because it's not just going to be a place of glory. It's going to be a place of greater glory. Why? Because it's going to be the place where when you come in, you feel the presence of God. When you come in, you can literally feel Jesus walking up and down every aisle. You feel the glory in this house. And why do we need glory in the house? Because when glory is in the house. That means Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, peace is in the house because Jesus is the prince of peace. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through what I'm going through in life, I need to know there's somewhere I can go and find peace. When I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, when I'm at a loss, I need to know that there is a house made of living stones that hold me accountable that we can each be a blessing to one another, that there is a place that helps me rise above the drama of my life because there's glory in his house. This is what we are building, not just for ourselves, but for our children and for our children's children, amen? We want a place of peace. We want a place of glory in Jesus' name. And this week, I want to talk about the blessing that is attached to what we are building so that we don't lose focus on what God has called us to build together. Look at your neighbor and say, stay focused. Each other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second to say, stay focused. Stay focused. Two points and I promise you I'm done. The first one is this. To be blessed, you must protect your sacrifice. To be blessed, you must protect your sacrifice. Look at Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to break this down because some of this Bible stuff, like it's like, what does that even mean? Listen, Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 through 13, read something like this. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, Darius was the king of the Persians, uh, and the Persian people allowed, after they defeated the Babylonians, they allowed the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem, to their homeland that they had exiled them from for 70 years. So they get home now. King Darius is in charge, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Haggai was one of the 12 minor prophets, uh, one of the three that prophesied after the exile. Other nine prophesied before or during the exile. And I, I love Haggai because he's like, man, y'all got to get y'all focus in order. Y'all been thinking about the wrong things. God got you out of that exile and your focus is off. Your priorities are not in order. So Haggai comes in verse 11 and says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. He directed this question towards the priests because as men of God, they should have known exactly what the law says. And it says, verse 12, if someone carries consecrated meat, consecrated, it means set apart or set as holy, okay? They, 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 they took things like meat and bread and they prayed over them so that they were consecrated, set apart as holy for God. If someone carries consecrated meat, in the fold of their garment. And that fold touches some bread or stew or wine or olive oil or food. First of all, if you got bread or stew or wine or olive oil or other food in your garments, you greedy. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. He says, if that consecrated meat 
in the fold of the garment touches any of those things I said, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Verse 13, then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, defiled, uh, it, 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 means, it means tainted, it means unclean, it means dirty. That was one of the many laws that they had in the Torah that you could not touch a dead body. The moment you touched a dead body, you were considered unclean and you had to separate from the community for a matter of time and then eventually you had to go see the priest so that they could make sure that you were clean. So Haggai says, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? He asked this to the priest. And they said, yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. So this is a question from the prophet Haggai. God's telling him to ask the priest because what he's trying to do is, is see if they know the difference between a clean thing and an unclean thing or how a clean thing becomes unclean and how an unclean thing becomes a clean thing. I know that sounds complicated, but Haggai was trying to get them to understand, can a clean thing have an effect on an unclean thing or can an unclean thing have an effect on a clean thing? When he asked them, if you have a clean thing, a consecrated thing, and it touches unclean things, uh, he says, does that thing now become clean? The priest said, no, they were correct. But then he says, if you have an unclean thing and it touches a clean thing, does that clean thing now become unclean? The answer was yes. They answered correctly both times. Let me make this easier to understand because some of y'all is like, what does this have to do with my life? I don't carry meat in my clothes. I don't know about this unclean. I clean it with Tide. It's already clean, so I don't need to clean it again. Like, listen, if you don't get what I'm trying to say, I'm going to break it down simply for you so that you get it. And the church said... How many of you are parents? Wow, a lot of parents. Praise God. Build strong families to build strong futures. That's our mission. How many of you have sent your healthy child to school? I hope so. If not, DCF is waiting. Okay. <laughs> As a parent, I send my 13-year-old to school healthy. Because how I many you know you send a healthy kid to school? You don't send a sick kid to school, right? I send my healthy child to school, and I've seen this happen time and time and time again. It never fails. I hear parents talk about it all the time. They send their healthy child to school, and then there is an unhealthy child at school, and the healthy child that they send to school comes home sick. Y'all seen that happen before? And not only does the school get affected because all the kids get sick, now everybody in your house getting sick. You sent a healthy kid to school and they brought home something from a child that was sick. They have now brought it home. They started out healthy, now they are sick. You know what I never heard? I've never heard this because when a healthy kid goes to school and the sick kid comes, the healthy kid gets sick and all the kids, all the kids get sick at the same time. Let me tell you what I've never, ever heard, that I send my healthy child to school and all the sick kids become healthy. Doesn't happen. I've never, ever heard that happen. Why? Because you can't catch health from someone, but you can catch a cold. And in the same way, you can't catch holiness, but you can catch impurity. Listen, this is why the Bible says things like in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says you got to be careful. You got to be careful who you hang around because bad company corrupts good character. It even talks about yeast in the Bible. It says you got to be careful when you put this yeast in the dough because just a little yeast, just a little leaven is what they call it, will mess up the entire batch of bread. It'll make the whole bread. Yeast or leaven back in the day was equated to sin. It only takes a little bit to mess up something. It only takes a little bit to permeate through 
things. It only takes one sick kid to infect the whole school, and it only takes one impure thought to infect your entire heart. You got to be careful in this time. And what Haggai was trying to get them to catch is like, hey, y'all got freed from exile over 16 years ago. You, you was in exile to Babylon for, for 70 years. God released you. You came home. You waited for two years. And then at that two-year mark, you built the foundation for the temple that was previously destroyed. And then something happened in y'all hearts. It wasn't just one of y'all. Maybe it might have started with one of y'all, but everybody's heart got infected. And y'all have left my house unbuilt for 14 years. You, 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 you put a little foundation because you were excited. Y'all started out healthy, but somebody with a bad heart infected the bunch. And now all of you are suffering from a heart issue. I know because you care more about what you're trying to build than what I want to build. I know because you spent more time building your own houses, the prophet called them out in Haggai chapter 1. You spent more time building your own houses than my house. You have left my house in ruins. You've left my house in shambles because you've allowed an unclean heart or an unclean spirit to infect the entire community. Look at what Haggai chapter 2.14 says. It says, then Haggai said, so it is. Now he takes that analogy that he made with the clean and unclean. He was like, hey, I want y'all to know y'all are unclean. He says, so it is with this people. And this nation in my sight declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. What was he trying to let them know? Because your heart has been impure as it pertains to building my temple, nothing you have to offer me is good. It's all bad. Because you can't focus on what I'm asking you to focus on. Because you haven't decided in your heart to build what I want to build, then I don't want anything from you. Because it is defiled. It is unacceptable. Their neglect, listen, their neglect to God's house made everything they had to offer unholy. God was like, you can keep that. I don't even want that. Because I love that. I would love what Ben talked about during the offering. He's like, hey, before you give, check your heart. Like, don't give the compulsion. Don't give because you feel like I'm pressuring you. You better check your heart first. Because if you give it with the wrong heart, God won't accept it anyway. Give it with the right heart. If, here's what I want you to catch. If the priority of your heart is wrong, nothing you do will be holy to God because it is impure. You got to hear that today. And I want you to know on November 12th, we all going to bring our very best. We going to sacrifice. It's going to be a huge gift of sacrifice to see kingdom work being built. But God won't even accept it if the heart behind it ain't right. The heart has to be right. You got to put some consideration into your ways. So here's what I want you to understand. Before the day of sacrifice comes, you got to protect your sacrifice. How do, you, how do you protect your heart so that you give and do things to God with the right heart? Listen, the first thing we did, the reason why we do this pledge, this pledge means that we are being intentional about what we're going to do to God. We pledge, we, first of all, we pray and we pledge. Don't just be like, yeah, I'm going to just do this. No, 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 no. You pray and you pledge and you believe for what you have pledged for. Why? So you can be intentional. That's how you protect your sacrifice. Being intentional about sacrifice helps you protect your sacrifice. Here's another thing. Be diligent in saving it to protect it. Because some of us wrote something on this car, and you're like, Lord, how am I going to do this? And God's like, uh, if you're intentional about saving it, it's not as hard as you think. Maybe instead of going to get a $5 Starbucks coffee every day, you go get a 50-cent one from Bravo. <laughs> Maybe instead of Gucci, you go to Sheen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no, no, Pastor, I ain't, I, ain't giving, I ain't giving that up. No, no. That was a big jump, Pastor. I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
Be diligent in saving it to protect it. Because here's the thing. My old pastor used to tell me this all the time. You have money for everything you want to do. Depending on how you choose to spend it. You can always see what people believe in based upon their pro- how they prioritize their spending. It's like, once again, do I need a 50-cent cup or do I need a $5 cup? Both of them going to get you up for about 20 minutes and then you're going to go to sleep anyway. <laughs> They're going to do the same thing. Just one got a name brand and one don't. How am I choosing to spend in the time? So I'm going to be diligent to say, you know what? Hey, not forever, but, you know, and I ain't trying to pick on Starbucks, but it's like, yo, I'm going to put this aside just for this month. I'll come back to you after the pledge is over. It's being intentional about saving for it. That's how you protect it. But here's the thing. Be a good steward once you've saved it because it's not enough just to save it. You got to make sure you don't spend it on something else. Yo, if my mom used to have this saying about me, man. Like when I got money as a kid, I used to spend it real fast. She's like, boy, you have a hole in your pocket. That thing burn in a hole in your pocket. Some of us, like we get something, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> I just got to, I want to spend, like, you got to pray that you're not tempted to spend it to protect it. Because here's the thing, as soon as you save it, every temptation in the world is going to come for you to spend that thing. It's, y'all, I'm going to just be transparent. Love, can I be transparent? I'm about to be anyway. All right, she said no. Listen, we over here saving for our pledge and like two of the toilets in my house both broke at the same time. I'm like, devil is a liar. I will use the bathroom in Jesus' name. (laughs) Am I trying to spend, like what I'm trying to tell you is it don't don't necessarily have to be like something, like, ooh, I want to get these shoes and not my place. Like, yo, I need a toilet. But that's what happens. It's like as soon as you try to do the right thing, there is something out there that wants to spend what you have saved to give to God. Something out there is willing to spend, somebody wants to spend your sacrifice. You need this more than you need one God. No, 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 no. More than I need a toilet, I need glory. More than I need a toilet, I need blessing. More than I need a toilet, I need patience. More than I need a toilet, I need favor. More than I need a toilet, I need... Yes, I'm still going to get a toilet because I'm stewarding my life well, but I want you to understand I'm not going to let anything that I think I need above God steal what I'm going to give back to God. Don't be tempted to spend it, to protect it. Listen, here's one. Don't, hey, pray that pride won't make you boast about what you give to protect it. Because some of us say it's easy for us to do something, and some it's not. Don't be walking around, oh, I'm about to do this for the Lord. God don't want that. <laughs> Keep that. Keep, if, if you poking out your chest because you think you're responsible for, for this blessing that, that is coming on the house, then you are already sadly mistaken, and you have a, a sacrifice that is defiled that God don't even want. Because you made it more about you than about him. Don't let pride steal your sacrifice. Don't, don't let pride steal it. Protect it. But here's the other one. Just pray that God keeps your heart on building his house, not your own, if you want to protect it. I'm just telling you, y'all, people, every resource they get, it goes back into them. When God, he doesn't even want it all. He just asks for like 10%. That's just our time. But if you give it sacrificially over and above, I love what the Bible says. There is a 30, 60, 100 return, 100-fold return on what I am giving. Why? Why does this happen? Why does Jesus bless generosity so much? Because he says it himself, it is more blessed to give than to stop allowing everything you get to come back to you and make sure you are setting something aside by stewarding properly to give to God because there is a return on your life that you cannot even imagine when you decide in your heart that you are going to put God over yourself. I love, I love this. Don't allow what you give to become defiled because you did not protect your sacrifice with your priorities. Because here's the truth. God doesn't just want you to build. If you want to see a blessing, you must know you have to have a heart for it. There's a reason we call it heart for the house, not money for the house or wallet for the house or gift for the house. It's heart for the house because our hearts are attached to our sacrifice and we want to make sure that we give a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And the church said, secondly and lastly, we almost done. Faithful building brings the blessing. Faithful building brings the blessing. Haggai chapter 2 verses 15 through 16, read something like this. 
Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how, I love this, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. He says, hey, remember before? Remember those, those, those days like before you, you, you did anything? He says, when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. What was he trying to say? Haggai was like, I need y'all to remember the, the, the bad old days before you actually gave your heart to being sacrificially, uh, sacrificial givers to God. Before you actually presented your heart right to build what God wanted to build, I want you to remember those bad old days. Uh, you will go to get something and only half of what you were looking for was actually there. The Bible says in Haggai 1, it's like having a purse with holes in it. It's like you went to get something, you thought the resources were there, but there was always less than you went to get. Why? Because God was looking at their heart and he was saying, you know what? I'm not going to supply to y'all because y'all ain't even got the right heart about this. You worrying about yourself instead of me. Let's be honest. Because Haggai, he was asking the people to think about their life before they focused on the temple. I remember my life before I focused on God's house. I, I really do. And let's be honest. Some of us even today, come back next week, I promise you I'll be nice, are in God's house but haven't built God's house and wonder why we're not blessed. You in God's house, but you have not built God's house, and you wonder why you're not blessed. What am I trying to say? You're a part of it, but you're not faithful to it. Here's another way to say it. You can see church and still not be the church. You can sit here and be a spectator every week and never be a contributor. I've seen it. I've been doing this for two decades now, man. And there's some people... They just want to come and they just want to check it out. They just want to see what it is. But they never fully get engaged in what God wants to do. And those are the same people. Pastor, please come pray for me. My life is a mess. I'm like, man, I love you and I'm going to pray for you. But how much different would your life be if you actually started contributing to God's house? And I'm not just talking about money. It's time, talent, and treasure. There's so many ways that you can be invested in God's house but some of us are only on the fringe because all we ever do is look at what God's doing instead of being a part of what God's doing some of us are part of it but they ain't faithful to it can't just see church you gotta be church why you gotta be church because the Bible calls us living stones I love what 1 Peter 2 4 through 5 says says as you come to him the living stone. Jesus is the living stone. He is the cornerstone rejected by men but chosen and precious in God's sight. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. You go from a Sunday spectator to a kingdom collaborator when you stop being a static stone and start being a living stone. There's a big, big difference from being a static stone to a living stone. A static stone has no movement. A living stone is a part of what God is trying to build. Some of us right now, there are simple practical things that we could do to be a living stone that we avoid. There's still people that haven't joined the connect group. Y'all, it's like, I want to be a part of the church. The whole group over there, you by yourself. I want to be a part of it. You can't be if you by yourself. You got to get connected. If Jesus walked this earth for three years with 12 dudes, what makes you think that you can walk your walk of faith by yourself? Get into a group, man. Get some accountability. Get some love. Get some, get some peace. Get some folks that want to... Listen, this has been one of the hardest weeks me and my wife ever had to navigate, but can I tell you, our fridge was always full. We felt so much love. Why? Because the people, the living stones in this house have been blessing us. That's why I love this family of choice. Because I don't ever feel like I have to do something alone. We got groups of people that love us and are connected to us and we are connected to them. But it's not just getting in a connect group. Some of us just actually need to serve God's house. 
Don't just see church, be church, be a part of it. There's so many places that you could be a part of. And I can tell you story after story after story about how people's lives were blessed because they stopped being a spectator and they started to actually get in the game. It's one thing to sit on the sidelines and watch. It's a whole nother thing to be a part of what God is doing because when you get the win, you actually feel like you contributed because you weren't on the side watching. You actually got to score some points and I don't know about you, People just want to get to heaven. That's cute. I want to get to heaven too. But the Bible that I read tells me, hey, it's some levels to this thing. There is some glory waiting for me based upon what I do. There is a crown with jewels and all kinds of righteousness and favor. I don't want the base level prize when I get to heaven. I want all of what God has for me because I did everything I was supposed to do when I was down here. If you believe it, say amen. Some people gonna live in heaven's basement when you can be in the penthouse through your service. It is my service, my service that is building up for me a crown of righteousness. I'm building something down here as a living stone. But then the other thing that you could do is actually give, not just your talents, not just your time. You can give your treasure to build God's house. Y'all, I don't ever want to prioritize my own life over what God wants to build in this house. And I love this because look at what Haggai says next. He tells the people, this is what happens because y'all didn't prioritize the work of the Lord. Look at what he says, Haggai 2.17. I struck all the work of your hands with blight. What's blight? It's like a fungus that grows on plants. It's like mildew, right? So he says, I struck your, the work of your hands, the crop, with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I don't think y'all caught what just happened there, right? He says, hey, when you stuck your hand to pull out some barley, you got half of what you was looking for. When you dug your hand in the wine vat to pull out wine, you were looking for 50 measures, you only got 20, and then God says, did you catch who said it? I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the who? What was happening? Haggai tells the people, because you did not prioritize God's work, the Lord, not the enemy, stopped you from prospering. Yo, there's some folks that's quick to blame the enemy for the reason they're not winning in life. When God was like, no, that was me. I stopped that because you were focused on the wrong thing. I, I stopped what you was trying to do. Some of us are blaming the enemy for lessons that God is teaching us. You blaming, you blaming the enemy for stuff God is responsible for. Like, like God just may have allowed that person to walk out of your life so you would appreciate who he brought you in the first place. Somebody, Pastor, my wife let me. She left you because you treated her like trash and maybe God had to allow her to walk out your life as a wake-up call. Pastor, he left me. Maybe God let him walk out your life as a wake-up call to get your priorities straight. God may have allowed don't get it, well, if you get offended, I don't care. God may have allowed that sickness to come on you because you took the body he gave you for granted with too much salt and too much sugar. And he wants you to remember that he made you to treat your body like a temple. God, I don't know, this cholesterol, Lord, the enemy trying to take me out. No, you're taking yourself out because you decided to eat 20 donuts last week. Uh, the devil got me with this heart disease. No, you ate five fried pork chops last week. Devil ain't had nothing to do with that. God is allowing the things inside of you to not work the way that he has designed to because you have defiled your own temple. Like, don't blame the enemy for that. Me and my wife been talking about it, sitting in the hospital for the last month. It's like, you know how many things got to go right on the inside of your body just for you to be normal? 
just for you to be normal. God has aligned so many things to function properly. And the moment, the moment that your body feels that neglect, different things start, shut, stop, start shutting down all over the place. Why? God allows those things to happen as a wake-up call for you to make your body a priority. God, he may have allowed that door of your job to close because you forgot he was the one that opened the door for the job in the first place. I know people that pray for a job, got the job, worked in the job, now they complain about the job and they hate the job that God gave them when they prayed for it. Maybe God allowed you to lose that job because you forgot who gave it to him in the first place. Like, how you gonna pray to God for something and get mad about it because it ain't going the way that you want instead of thanking him and doing it to the best of your ability? I'm like, oh God just wanted me to close this door because he didn't want me to be. No, he closed this door because you didn't appreciate what he gave you. That's a whole different perspective. What if I told you, what if I told you, listen to me, saints, that God put a pause on your prosperity to make you change your priority? Think about it. Because God will put a pause on your return to give you a chance to return to him. This is what he was doing with his people. I'm going to stop everything that you think is going well just so you take your focus off of that and put your focus back on me. This is what God says to the people. Now watch what happens when the people put their focus back on God. Watch what happens. It happens quick. Haggai 2, 18 through 19. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. He was like, oh, remember now. Remember 14 years ago when you laid that, 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 that temple foundation? And then for 14 years you left it in neglect? Remember what happened? He says, says, give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? No, the seed's gone because you forgot to build God's house. Look, he says, he says, until now, had the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree not borne fruit? No, they haven't borne anything. Why? Because for 14 years you neglected God's house. He wants you to remember that. But then he says, listen to this, this is the blessing from this day. From this day. I will bless you. From this day on, from now forward, I will bless you. Why does the blessing come now until forever? Because they put their priorities back in order. They put God back at the forefront. The day the people decided to prioritize what God wanted to build through them, and they were faithful in building it, was the day the blessing began and it never stopped. Let me, let me, let me help you grasp this concept a little easier. Because I, I want to ask you this question. What would happen in your life if you were faithful, fully committed to building God's temple? What would happen in your life? Can I be very transparent with you? Is that okay? I'm going to tell you some personal aspects of my life and I hope they bless somebody. It's my test now. It's my testimony. I used to suffer with migraines really bad, y'all. At least that's what I thought it was. I had headaches all the time. I have had headaches when I preach. People wouldn't know. And I just, oh man, I'm just hungry or whatever. And I suffered with this for years. So one day, I don't know, man, spirit was just like leaning on me heavy. I was like, you know, I'm going to get a second opinion because I had a primary care physician. And I just didn't feel like I was getting what I needed to get out of this, this physician. And I turned 42, um, uh, I turned 41 last year. Uh, August 29th and I was like man I gotta start taking my health more seriously and I was working out I dropped 20 pounds man so I could be a lean mean preaching machine come on somebody and um, I was still having the headaches I'm like yo I'm trying to be healthy like what's going on here so I was like I need another opinion so I got a new primary care physician and I said doc I don't know what's going on like my head's always hurting like sometimes my jaw like my face will hurt I, I, I just didn't know what it was I just kept going through it and my doc said let me check you out she ran a series of tests and then she called me in and she said Terrence you don't have migraines I'm going to tell you what you do have you got high blood pressure 
Y'all, my blood pressure on a normal basis was 150 over 100. Yeah, every nurse in the room was like, how are you alive? 150 over 100. And the doc was like, okay, you might have migraines, but more than likely, it is your heart that is throwing everything else off in your body because your blood pressure so high, I had hypertension stage two. Because your blood pressure so high, everything else is out of whack. I was like, doc, what do I do? He said, before we even diagnose with a migraine, said, I ain't gonna give you a diagnosis until you do everything you're supposed to do. She's like, I need you to go to the eye doctor. That's why your boy wears glasses now. He said, I need you to go to the dentist. I'm like, what the dentist gotta do with my heart? She's like, you'll be surprised. Yo, I went and got my eye exams, did everything with my eyes. I went to the dentist. And I ain't been to the dentist and God knows how long, Lord, I felt like I sinned and I needed to repent. I thought because my teeth was pretty straight that I was okay. The dentist got a hold of me and they were like, sir, um, one, you have gum disease, which I didn't even know what that was, but I knew when I used to floss, like my gums were bleeding, all kinds of stuff like that. They was like, so we gotta do gum, a gum therapy on you. We gotta treat your gums. I said, okay. And then they pulled out all four of my wisdom teeth at one time. I got some Invisaligns. All that. And I said, what's the big deal with my teeth, doc? They said, when you have gum disease like that, what happens is the bacteria in your gums goes to your bloodstream, it goes through your heart, and it throws everything out of whack. What I did not realize is that my teeth and my gum health was connected to my heart health. I had no idea. I was today years old when I found that out. And y'all, I was like, man, all right, now let me let me do what I got to do. Y'all, I brush my teeth after every meal. I floss every time I get the chance. I wear my glass when I'm supposed to. I work out five days a week. I even had to get a little blood pressure pill just to regulate, because here's the truth. I ain't scared to talk about it, and I ain't ashamed, because here's the reality. People of color, marginalized people, we suffer far more proportionately than other people, because this is not stuff that is spoken about in our communities often. So I am here to tell you as a living testimony at 42 years old when I finally decided to get all into my health. My blood pressure went from 150 over 100 to 120 over 80 and I have not had a headache in months. I, I need somebody to hear that and understand that because I thought that because the headaches were normal, I became a person that was able to function in dysfunction. And this is what a lot of believers look like. We are functionally dysfunctional. Why? Because we've done some of what God has asked us to do but we haven't been obedient to all of it. It was not until y'all, I decided to be faithfully obedient to everything that I was supposed to do with my temple that I began to get the most out of my temple. And I wish somebody would hear me today. There are some folks here, you are one foot in God's house and you are one foot outside of God's house. And God says, what would your life look like if you gave all of yourself to me? What would your life look like if you decided to stop playing around God's house and get committed to God's house? If you will be faithful to God's house instead of being fair weather in God's house. There are some people right now and you are functionally dysfunctional. But I'm here to tell you that if you are obedient to God, if you are faithful to God, that he can make all things new in your life. All you got to do is fully lean on him because I promise you, when you fully lean into God, he will fully lean into you. I don't know who 
I'm talking to today that may have said I tried this Christian thing, but I still feel like I'm on the outside. The only way you're going to feel like you're on the inside is when you finally take one foot and the other foot and firmly plant them inside of God's house because the Bible that I read tells me that a tree that is planted, a tree that is planted, a tree that is planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live one foot in and one foot out. I ain't going to just give God a piece of me. I want him to have the whole thing. If you believe it, say amen. When I became disciplined enough to take care of my temple, I started getting more out of it. Some of you want more out of God's house, but you're not fully into God's house. Some of us see God's house, but we won't be God's house. And God is saying, ha, ha, don't you remember the days when you was outside what that felt like? Don't you remember the days when you neglected me what that felt like? Why don't you in this season of your life go all in for me? Because I've always gone all in for you. When we were lost, when we were desperate, when we were dead in our sins, when we were functionally dysfunctional, I love that our God says, you know what? You can't make up the gap here with this sin, but I got somebody that can make it up for you. And he ain't going to go halfway for you. He's going to wrap his glory and his majesty in flesh. He's going to come down to earth humbly as a baby born in a manger. He's going to take 39 stripes on his back. He's going to have some nail-pierced hands and some nail-pierced feet, and he's going to stretch himself out on a cross because Jesus did not give some of himself to a cross. He was all man and all God and gave all of himself so that we all could have the salvation that we don't even deserve because he was redemption before creation and he was all into us. Today will you choose to be all into him? I served a God that went all in for me. So today I choose to go all in for him. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.